Awesome. Thanks, Ned. How are you going, church? You good? It's been a while. It's been, I was away last week. Uh, I have to say, I had an amazing time at Shout. So good to hear that testimony, isn't it? And I love the fact that, that God sets us free, not just for ourselves, but so that our freedom can set other people free. I, know, I love that, that story about, you know, coming back on the plane and being able to minister to someone else out of the freedom that you've just found in God. That's, that's why you need to get to shout. It's not for you. It's for, the, it's for the world around you. It's for the people that you can affect, that you can change. So can I encourage you, get a ticket now. And, and even if you can't make it next year, you can bless someone with that ticket. You can, you can buy you know, a ticket and give it away. Uh, but just do that in faith. I tell you, your life will be changed. Awesome. So good to be here. We're, as, as Nat said, we're in our series called Practice Makes Progress. We're looking at disciplines. Woo! Who likes discipline? Yeah, scattering your hands, you're lying. Um, that's okay, the rest of you, I understand. Disciplines are hard. And today we're looking at perhaps the hardest of them, but also the most important discipline that we build into our lives. And it's also one of the disciplines that we often feel, I think, most guilty about, uh, that, that we feel guilty about not doing it enough, possibly because we subconsciously think, oh, it doesn't, doesn't really work, or it's a bit of a waste of time, or I could be doing other things, or I just, just can't be bothered. And yet it's actually the discipline that draws us closest to God. Show our hands here today. If you're a Christian, do you want to draw close to God? Good, good. That's excellent. It's a good place to start. We should. But somewhere along the way, we often, we kind of stop doing this, or we do it very sporadically, or we, we, we only do it when we're desperate, when we reach the end of ourselves. Have you guessed what it is yet? The discipline is prayer. The discipline of prayer. And it's true, isn't it? The majority of the time, we kind of, we just get stuff done ourselves. We make things happen in our own strength. Uh, we, we, we just kind of rely on our own resources, our own plans, our own intelligence, our own strength. And it's only after all those things have failed us that we kind of go, oh, help. Help, God, I need your help. Uh, there's, a, there's a play in American football that sums up often our attitude to prayer. It's called a Hail Mary it's from the Catholic prayer, which begins, Hail Mary, full of grace. A Hail Mary throw is basically a prayer that's just kind of thrown into the ether. It's just, a, 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 it's going to take a miracle for it to be caught, for it to meet, meet, match its target. Sadly, too many Christians, are, we're just going through our lives, throwing up the odd Hail Mary prayer when we get stuck, when we get desperate. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying in desperation. In fact, we should. Desperate people actually can't help but pray. Uh, you know, they pray without thinking about it. They pray when they're not even sure what they're, they're praying to. I was reading an article uh, last night about a flight from Wellington to Tauranga on an Air New Zealand um, NZQ 300, which is a bombardier. It's the very plane I th flew back from uh, Wellington on, on Wednesday. And it's the old, you know, turboprop. And what had happened is they heard this bang and one of the engines went out. Now, thankfully, a bombardier is designed to be able to fly on one engine. Pretty remarkable. Uh, because, you know, it's a 50-seat, decent-sized plane. Uh, and um, 
the, the, the guy who was being interviewed in this article was a reverend, a reverend Kevin Ward, and he was on the flight, and he said he noticed, um, uh, the, the article said, nothing inspires prayer like a bang coming from a plane engine. Uh, it's true. And he said he noticed many others in, in the plane praying. He had a young girl next to him who wasn't particularly religious. I don't know how he know, knew that. But she was bowing down and praying. You see, when we reach our limits, instinctively we pray. Like a, like a person lacking oxygen, gasp for breath. Like someone falling, reaches for something to grab hold of. We just, we pray when we're desperate. But I've got to say to you, church, that shouldn't be the only time we pray. That shouldn't be just the way we pray. Oh, when I really want something, when I really need something, when I'm actually reached the end of my resources. You know, I think everybody prays when they're in a foxhole. Everybody prays when they get a cancer diagnosis. Everybody prays in desperate times. They pray desperate prayers. But prayer is so much more than desperation. And sadly, it's something that, that we as Christians often feel guilty about. Think, oh, I should pray more. Anybody felt that feeling? You're probably all sitting here going, oh, already you're starting to go, yes, Dave, you're right. I need to pray more. I should pray more. Why don't I pray more? I don't, I don't want to guilt you into praying today. That's not my heart. It's not the heart of God. I do want to inspire you though, because it's prayer that draws us into connection with God. It's prayer that, that actually changes our lives. Prayer brings change. Actually, more than anything else, I think, prayer changes us. We think, you know, our prayers change our situation, but often our prayers change us. Prayer is actually the central way that God changes us. And if we're unwilling to change, we'll abandon prayer in our lives. And I think too many people, they, they've been Christian for a while and they've kind of abandoned prayer because they think, oh, well, you know, kind of sometimes my prayers are answered, sometimes they're not. It's kind of 50-50, so why bother? But actually, we're missing out on the connection with God. We're missing out on so much. Because prayer is key to our growth. Prayer is key to us becoming more like Christ. Because Jesus himself prayed, right? We've got a scripture here, Mark uh, 1.35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus, Son of God, holder of the universe in his hands, got up early and went to pray. We read in Acts 6, the early church apostles, they were, they were, they were busy and they attempted to invest their energies and many other important tasks, but it says that they, were deter they determined to give themselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. They decided actually oh, all these other things that I'm, we're busy with, they're not as important as praying. Too often as Christians, we're like, oh, I've got all these other things. I've got my work. I've got my family. I've got this stuff. And our prayer just is down there, number 10 on the list. And we just don't, re don't even get to it. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said, I have so much business, I cannot get on without spending three hours daily in prayer. <laughs> wow. He had so much to do, he, he, he didn't have the time not to pray for three hours. John Wesley said, God does nothing but an answer to prayer. And he didn't just say that. He backed that up by devoting two hours a day to praying. I could go on. All the greats in the kingdom of God were great prayers. And we kind of think, too often we hear these stories, and, and instead of feeling inspired, we feel guilty. We feel like, oh, my goodness. 
that's a bit discouraging. These guys pray for two or three hours a day. I can't do it for two or three minutes without getting distracted by my phone or by something going on. These giants of faith kind of seem so far beyond us, we kind of give up before we start. But the thing I love about God is that he meets us where we're at. He will meet you where you're at. Wherever your prayer life is at right now, God wants to meet you at that point, And he wants to take you on. You know, people who occasionally ride their bike don't enter the Tour de France. They prepare themselves slowly over time. And even then, you've got to be really on your game and a bit younger than me. Uh, But when we do, actually, no, no, Alejandro Valverde, 39, in the Tour de France. Come on, represent. (laughs) He would probably be the oldest one there, but, uh, oh, no, 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 that dream is gone. Uh, But we can't expect to just be like prayer warriors, just be praying two or three hours a day tomorrow. You can try, and I'll give you a week at best. We've got to start where we're at. And it's encouraging to know that even the disciples, Jesus' closest followers who are hanging out with him, they said, Luke 11, verse 1, Lord, teach us to pray. They saw something in Jesus that they realized they didn't have. They're like, well, we need to learn from him. Prayer is something we learn. All the disciples, I imagine, had prayed throughout their lives, just like you and I have prayed. But there was something in the quality and the quantity of how Jesus prayed. They're like, man, we need to learn. We've still got so much to learn. And I think that's the place we have to start. Wherever you're at today, maybe you do pray for half an hour, an hour a day. Fantastic. I think we all need to start our prayer life from a place of humility, from a place of, right, God, take me where I'm at and take me on. So my first point, if you're taking notes, I've got three of them today because it's, you know, Trinity, you know, the Holy Spirit will breathe on it because it's three points. Uh, Be humble enough to, to start or restart. Be humble enough to restart. Learn from Jesus. Learn from his word. See how he prayed. Now, interestingly, Jesus was really quite direct the way he prayed. He never said, oh, God, if it's your will, do this, or if it's part of your plan. He was just like, be healed. Open your eyes. Spirit, get out of that person. He was just direct, powerful. And the reason is because he He prayed from a place of authority. Jesus knew just as we were singing. He knew who he was. He knew whose he was. And so he knew that the power of God was behind him. So there was no doubt in his mind about about prayer. So what we need to do is we need to we need to read the word, we need to meditate, read the Bible, be encouraged by Jesus. Maybe do a study on the on the Lord's Prayer. He goes on after they ask him. How, how do we pray? And he t- teaches them the Lord's Prayer. Or, or, or maybe just go through and look at the times that Jesus prayed and how he did it. Or, or you know, maybe in the early church, look at how they prayed. But somehow start to learn. Maybe get around people who you think, man, these people pray and they have authority and they see things change. They, they see results. Get around those people. Learn from others who've got proven effectiveness in prayer. But don't, whatever you do, condemn yourself from the start. Don't ever go, oh, you know, I can't do it, or I'm not good enough. Or, you know, the devil is a two-trick pony. 
I tell you two things, two lies. Either you're not worthy or you're not able. And he'll whisper that. You're not, you're not, you're not worthy. Who are you to pray those prayers? I've, I've seen your life. I know, I know what you're doing. I know, you know, how you treat your kids. I know, and he'll just say, you're not worthy. God's not going to answer your prayers. Or he'll say, you're not able. You're not, you don't know enough scripture. You haven't been a Christian long enough. You're not able to do this. But the thing is, you are worthy and you are able. Jesus dealt with both of those. You're forgiven and you're healed. You have all you need. We just got to start. Take Jesus at his word and just start. Just start. Just start. And don't think you have to go big or go home. <laughs> don't think it has to be, you know, Martin Luther, three hours a day or, or it's not worth doing. No, just start where you're at. Just go, okay, God, five minutes. I can do five minutes. I reckon everybody in this room could do five minutes. You're not that busy. <laughs> your, your, your life is not divided into five-minute blocks that you can't carve out one of them to spend some time with God. Just every, every morning or whenever, take some time and pray. Use a timer if you want. Just start in that place. And don't, and don't ramp it up too soon. Just start small. And God will grow something within you. So that's the first thing I want to say. Because I, I spoke on prayer. At the start of the year, we talked about the anointing of God. And, and uh, we talked about you know, getting into prayer meeting and getting into, God's, into spaces and praying. And I think it's actually something we need to be reminded about. Ongoing. And we always have to come back, okay, God, I haven't been praying very well lately. I'm restarting. God is a God of second chances and third and fourth and fifth. So just, just start. Number two is that power comes from connection. Power comes from connection. We all want to pray in power. We want to pray and, and, and see things happen, right? Like, what's the point otherwise? Like we want to pray and we see, see prayers answered. We want to pray big prayers and see people healed and cause miracles or, or shift mountains. Come on. But the key to that is actually in our connection. Last week, I wasn't here, but I understand the heater wasn't working. Is that true? Those of you who are here and in the cold can confirm. Now, it's a big heater. It's a powerful heater. But if it's not plugged into the power source... It's useless. It's the same for us. If we're not connected to the power source, our prayers are useless. There's nothing behind them. There's a great story in, in both the Gospels of Mark and Matthew that teaches us about this. So I'm going to read it to you now. You'll follow along. We'll read from, uh, from Mark chapter 9, verse 14. It says, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said Jesus, 
everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Which is a strange phrase. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And this is the bit I want to focus on. He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Some versions say only by prayer and fasting. Now, if you think about this story, that's a pretty crazy thing for Jesus to say to his disciples who have just prayed for the Spirit to leave. Like you would think, if I was a disciple, I'd be like, okay, Jesus, very clever, but we were praying. Like that's what we were doing. And here you are telling us that this only comes out via prayer. Uh, that doesn't make sense. That's what we were What do you think we were doing? Just standing around watching? We were praying. Uh, the key is, though, that it wasn't the prayer then and there that Jesus was talking about. Up until that point, Jesus had been praying. Jesus had been fasting. Jesus had been connecting with God. Jesus was filled to overflowing with the power of God so that when he said it, it happened straight away. Too many of us, we're praying prayers, but that's the first time we've prayed today. Or that's the first time we've prayed this week. We're asking God for something just kind of tentatively. We haven't come from that place of connection. We haven't come from that, 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 that prepared place of prayer. That's what Jesus is talking about. That's where the power in our lives comes from. It comes from connection with God. As I've said before, and we're told in, in John 15, that God is a gardener, not a miracle worker, not a, not a magician. He doesn't just pull things out of the hat. He, he, he's a gardener. He grows things in our lives. And for us to grow in faith and grow in our prayer life so that we can see these things happen, we need to actually connect regularly with Him. And there's no shortcut to it. There's no shortcut. You just have to get into his presence. And I was so privileged to be in a, a God-soaked environment up at Shout. And I tell you what, that did stuff in me that stirred my faith. That Just a, a week of, of praising and worshiping God, it increased my faith levels. It, 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 it brought you know, a deeper sense of, of power and his, his authority in my life. That's awesome, and you can get into conferences to do that, but you don't have to. You can, you can have that every day if we just carve out some time to connect with God. Prayer is all about connection. Connection to God and then to others. See, it, what it does is it, it tunes us in to the frequency of God. Right now as we sit here, there are, there are, there's Wi-Fi, there's radio signals, there's there's TV, there's all sorts of signals that we can't see and we can't tune into. But there's also a signal coming from God. By His Holy Spirit, He's, He's whispering, He's speaking. And He wants to speak to you today. And our ability to hear is determined by how well we've tuned in, how well we've dialed in, how prepared we've come. You see, the first time you pray shouldn't be, you know, even at prayer meeting on a Sunday morning. 
We come to prayer meeting prepared. We come tuned in. We come to every day before we get to work. We come tuned in, ready. God, what do you want to say? I'm tuned in to you. You know, Smith Wigglesworth said that, you know, very, very seldom do I pray for an hour at a time, but, but never does an hour go by that I do not pray. You know, it's just regularly connecting in, tuning in, listening to God. We begin praying for ourselves or others. When we do that, and we just, we have to start by tuning in to Him. Soren Kierkegaard, who is a, a great theologian, said this, a man prayed, put it up there actually, a man prayed, and at first he thought that prayer was talking, but he became more and more quiet until in the end he realized that prayer is listening. You know, we can, and, and you know, we're Pentecostal, and I, and I think there's a time for declaring things. There's a time for shouting and praise. There's a time for pressing in and, 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 and raising a shout. But there's also a time for listening. And I think actually what we need to be doing is, is in our own space, listening, and then coming with what God has placed in us to the, to the communal group, to coming together. You know, the, the other week, we're launching, as Nancy, we're launching Revo Youth in a couple of weeks. And I was thinking, I've been, I've been ringing around schools, trying to get the, the, the space here in the gym. I was trying Roncalli. I was trying other places to, to find a good venue. And I was like, come on, God. And I was, I was praying those prayers. Like, come on, God. Find us a venue. Find us a venue. Come on, we need a venue. And then I was like, hang on. Have I actually asked God? Okay, let's just stop. Let's just, okay, I'm going to listen. And as soon as I did that, I just had a, had a vision of a place and I had the words West End Hall. I said, like, oh, I'm going to try West End Hall. <laughs> and I rang them up and, yeah, guess where we're going to meet in a couple of weeks' time? West End Hall. But too often we're like, God, come on, I need answers, I need. And God's just going, well, if you just shut up and listen, <laughs> I'll give you the answer. It may not be what you think, but actually I want to tell you. Our prayers will increase, I reckon, in effectiveness a hundredfold if we just learn to listen to his still small voice. But it all comes off the back of connecting with him. It's not rocket science. It really isn't, but it, sometimes it's hard to just be disciplined enough to carve out that time to listen to God and then to pray as he leads. To pray as he leads. So get connected. And my third and final point is, it's, it isn't actually about faith. It's about compassion. It ain't about faith. It's about compassion. If you start worrying about having enough faith, oh, do I have enough faith to pray for this? You won't have enough faith. You just need to put that aside. James uh, chapter 1, verse 6 says this about prayer. But when you ask, you must, not, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. That's a weird thing to say, you know. If you're struggling with doubt, uh, having someone say, you should not expect to receive anything from the Lord if you're doubting. That's not very encouraging, James. Uh, that's not going to help my doubt issue. What James is saying, I think, is that we need to take a step back and we need to connect with God. And then we need to, we need to place ourselves on the solid rock of our relationship with Jesus, from that place, then we can pray. God in His graciousness, He will answer some prayers that are just Hail Mary, 
you know, past prayers that are just like desperate cries, weak, faithless whispers, he will answer them because he's a gracious, loving God. And, and actually, it only takes faith the size of a mustard seed. And because he's sovereign and because he can. But actually, I think often it's just having the courage to pray a prayer. You know, to go and, and, and lay hands on someone and say, hey, can I pray for Pray for you, I hear you've, you've been sick. If you've, if you've got the courage to pray for, for someone, can I suggest you've got the faith? You've got all you need in that circumstance. See, the Bible tells us that Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion for people, and that is what caused him to pray. Compassion was at the heart of all Jesus' healings. You know, too often we, we, we pray for, for healings because we want to see a miracle or we want to have a, a thing happen when actually Jesus' heart was, he loves this person. He doesn't want to see them suffer. I think we need to be moved not so much by faith but by compassion for people. If we have God-given compassion for people, then our faith will grow and we'll have the strength to pray for that miracle. In fact, I think too often we're not praying, not because we don't have the faith, but perhaps because we don't have the compassion. If I'm honest with myself, sometimes it's just because I don't care enough. And that's, that's, that's a bit disappointing. But see, the inner drive of compassion for someone is often the clearest indicator from God that this is who you should be praying for. This is what you should be praying into. It's often that, that, that something that just clutches your heart and you're like, oh man, I need to pray for that. That is part of tuning in to God. That is part of tuning into what he would say because his heart is for people. His heart is for every single person in Tamaru today. His heart is for them, that they would know him. And we need to catch his heart. And so whenever a person's name or an image of something or someone comes into your heart, you need to jump on that moment because that's often the Holy Spirit prompting you to pray. Too often I think our prayers are not answered or perhaps not even prayed because we don't really think that God can answer them. Now, I don't want to digress down a, a rather large rabbit hole about why God doesn't answer some prayers. Uh, because it's complicated. Uh, there's no single reason. I'll give you some. Firstly, timing. Sometimes it's just not the right time for that prayer to be answered, and God has a better timing. Sometimes it, there is a blockage in our lives. It's sin or it's unforgiveness that is preventing the answer to their prayer. Sometimes it's actually God is building something in you. He's trying to build something more important in your, in your prayer life, that you would persevere, that you would uh, not just get an instant answer like a microwave kind of faith, that you would build, he would build something in you. Sometimes it's a, it's, a, it's a lack of faith. Like James was saying, we're just, due to our lack of connection with God, we're just being tossed around. Um, sometimes it's just we don't know. It's the sovereignty of God. He is God and we are not, and we cannot understand His ways. What I would say is don't ever presume to know why someone else's prayers aren't answered. Too many people have been hurt by uncaring Christians who think, oh, well, 
the reason you're prison answer is because you've got this sin in your life or because you don't have enough faith because it's not God's will for you to be healed. No, don't presume. Just keep your mouth shut. Offer, offer then and there to pray for them, for sure. Offer to join your prayer with them because there's power in that. But don't ever presume to know why someone's prayers are not answered. I can tell you, though, of the prayers that are 100% never answered. And that's the prayers that are never prayed. <laughs> You're never going to get an answer to prayer unless you bring it before God. 100% of the time, he's not going to answer it because you're not praying it. And I think too often we, we, we just don't pray prayers because, I don't know, we just don't. We, 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 maybe we've kind of stopped believing in the power of prayer. I'm convinced the only way we are going to see this auditorium filled, the only way we're going to touch the hundreds, the thousands of young people in our, through Revo Youth uh, is going to be on the back of our prayers. It's going to be from us getting down on our knees and saying, come on, God, do something. Do something in our city. Do something in our midst. Do something in my life. Give me a compassion. Give me a heart for these people. Come on. Can I have the keys up? I don't actually just want to teach you about prayer because we've had enough teaching. We know what we need to do. Now's the time to start doing it. We just need to, I guess, draw a line in the sand in our own lives and go, you know what? I just need to start again. My first point, well, I just need to start again from where I'm at. God is gracious. He doesn't care about the past. He wants to take me right now and and he wants to lead me in a more prayer-filled life. And I know that as you do that, he will change you and he will change the world around you. Do you want to stand to your feet? And there is power in our prayers. There's power in our prayers. But I tell you what, my prayers alone are not going to change Tamaru. Our leadership team's prayers are not going to change Tamaru. All of our prayers together will start to shift something in this city. Matthew 18, 19 and 20 says this. Again, Jesus speaking. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. God is here with us this morning and He's willing and able to answer our prayers if we're willing to pray them. So right now, I actually want you to pray just in with one or two people beside you, I want you to agree together. We just read that scripture. If we agree about anything on earth, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Come on, just with someone beside you, let's believe. I want you to bring to mind and pray for someone in your world who's close to you but far from God. Who's close to you that you love but is far from God. I want you to pray for them and then maybe just just quickly say if there's anything else that you guys want prayer for with the person next next to you, let's pray and believe together. Can we do that, church? Come on, let's activate this now.